we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello and welcome to the post-match pint on the Villa View in association with Purity. Everyone just calm down in the chat. Villa won. We're here eventually, Neil and myself, but we're here for the post-match pint. Sorry for, for the lateness. We have got a new producer filling in for one evening only, so we were just making sure everything was running okay so that we gave you a good show tonight. Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast with me. And Neil, I mean, my rabbits are absolutely cowering in the corner from me, screaming all sorts of obscenities when Danny Ings knocked the ball in in stoppage time. But Villa have survived a few scares this evening and got a great 1-0 win at Southampton. How are you feeling? I'm feeling OK, Dan. I, uh, I was just telling you beforehand that um, when uh, Danny Ings scored that goal, I actually poked myself in the eye in anger by mistake. So uh, if anybody sees me doing a little bit of this, I'm not crying at the result or anything. Uh, I'm just waiting to see if I've actually got sight in my left eye after this. But uh, no, to get, look, uh, I think we're due a game like that, Dan. Um, frustrating, frustrating at times, but that's Southampton. Southampton's an orthodox setup. And the way that they're that they're coached is it's not like any other team, and it's 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 not a setup that I suppose it's set up to go right and that can go wrong. At uh, times it went right today, um, we got a lucky goal and we held on. And I think this team needed a game like that where they just kind of snuck one and kind of robbed one, like we did against Leicester start of the season. We snuck one, we robbed one. Mm. I think we needed a game like that uh, because um, we had. Uh, you know, even after the Burnley game, I, I think a kind of a hard fought, hard fought, uh, kind of gritty victory like that was was um, was kind of needed, and it was stand to the team. Yeah, it's a tough game. I mean, like you say, Southampton are very well drilled, very tactically astute. They're one of the more difficult places I think you can go to in the Premier League. They kind of played a different system a little bit today, which we'll come on to, that I think probably took Villa a little bit by surprise as well. Villa will have prepared for that 4-2-2-2. And I think really Redmond had a bit of a free roll in the first half. And I say they ran right, that they didn't really, because I don't think they had a shot on target in the first half, Southampton, but they caused us problems. But Villa... A counter-attack, lovely ball in from Grealish, just so composed, so clever and cute with the way he played that ball across on his left foot. And it's a very good header from Russ Barkley, isn't it? That's fantastic. It's textbook stuff. You know, you, you're told to... Well, I was never told because uh, I'm only about five foot eight. But anybody that's, that, 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 
the ball gets aimed in the in, in the, the penalty area, you're told to head it back across the goalkeeper, you know, and uh, he did it. He arced his body. He actually strained, like, strained his neck probably as far as flick on it and it went in, went uh, back to, back from the direction it came, flat-footed the goalkeeper, but it was fantastic. Completely against the run of play. Like, we're not going to sit here and we're not going to say that, uh, you know, that for the Boston game or anything, I thought they were probably more comfortable at times than maybe the Southampton chances suggested. I think we were comfortable yeah. letting them have the ball in certain areas. I actually think we were less comfortable having the ball in certain areas than we were um, allowing Southampton to have the ball in the middle of the field. I thought we were pretty uncomfortable with the ball in the middle of the field. Uh, they, they chased us down. They hassled us, as you said. The four-two-two-two was uh, in effect when they were defending. Uh, Oriel Romeo is on my irrational fears list. He's he's yeah, just he's. Like it's not even that I like him. It's just he's a guy that that we find difficult to deal with. He's just a rangy. Um, he's a plodder. He's rangy. He's a centre half really by trade, playing in that defensive midfielder role, and he's not going to do anything else other than just get in the way. And um, he does it brilliantly. He does it really, really well. He's pivotal to that four-two-two-two piece, or even when they change formation to the to the even less orthodox formation than the four-two-two-two-one. Whatever it is, I don't know how many players they had in the field in the first half. Um, I mean, yeah, very hybrid system in that first half. I think going right back to the start of the game, I mean, I think everyone would have been surprised to see James Ward-Prowse, one of their most influential players. Obviously, that he plays central midfield with Romeo usually. Everyone would have been surprised to see him line up uh, right back, and he wouldn't have been relishing a, a duel with Grealish. I'm sure. I mean, how surprised were you by that? I was blown away. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't think that they were going to put in Valerie uh, at right back just because of the potency of our left side, whether it be our, whether it be Matty Target or whether it be Jack Grealish. I didn't think they were going to throw the young kid to the, to the like lambs to the slaughter. But then again, I didn't know what they were going to do either. I thought maybe there was a possibility that if they had a centre half back again, that they might push Bednarek out there um, and put the centre half in beside uh, beside Jack Stevens. But obviously, already they were down Vestergaard at that stage, so. It, it blew me away, uh, to be honest with you. I and and I actually think Villa took Villa attacked him, but I, I can understand why he was there to to pin back Grealish, to pin back Target, and to make sure that they had to keep an eye out for him because of his delivery and his delivery from deep as well is is quite fantastic too. But I think it played against them in the long run and, and, and we'll probably get onto it when we talk about the goal, but there was a couple of times you could see it was very deliberate from Aston Villa whereby they would just loft the ball over him. It wasn't as if it was a, you know, it wasn't a long hit ball. It was just a little chip or dink over him or lofted just in behind him because you could see this from being in a, being a central midfielder that he's used to defending people square on, not like a right back or a left yeah. back, where you kind of, you're side on and you're ready to kind of move left or right and you're a bit more fluid. He was very frontal when he was, ta- when he was taking on Jack Grealish and all it took was a, was a ball over the top Grealish just lengthened his stride and got in around him a couple of times. And it was one of the moves that led to the goal as well, I think. But um, I think Villa got the better of that exchange down that down that wing. And uh, I think actually when they moved him back into into central midfield, he it took him time to acclimatise the game. So I, I, I would question that because when you take a very creative player like that, somebody who's knocking on the door of the England squad and so on, and somebody who just dismantled us and... Uh, earlier on in the season that uh, I think every Villa fan and every Villa player would have been looking at that and going, yeah, we'll take him a small bit further back in the field. 
Yeah, I mean, producer Adam, who usually produces the show, absolutely taking the piss here, leaving comments in the chat. Can't come on and, and do the show, but I've just seen his name flash up with the chat, so I'm not even going to read his points out because I'm absolutely outraged to see him playing hooky tonight and, and then being in the chat, although it is his birthday. It's a happy 36th birthday to Adam Bates, our usual producer today, and thanks to John Inslee for filling in. Just back to that, the, the right-back situation for Southampton and Villa's left-hand side. Me and you were talking on WhatsApp for, throughout the game. I don't think they they shackled Grealish because, quite frankly, you can't really shackle Jack Grealish. But it did pin Matt Target back. Like you're talking about us pinning, pinning them back a little bit. They actually pinned Target back quite a lot for the first half an hour, I would say. And we found it very difficult to get our left-hand side involved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, and that's where the, the dink ball over the top came from. Because yeah. uh, I was, and, and I was blown away when I saw it the first time I went... Uh, I think that might have been a mishit pass, or I think uh, I'm not quite sure what that was. Then they tried it a second time, and I stood back and I kind of went, wait a minute, this my target isn't getting in the overlap because you see that awful lot of time he plays it in low to feet to Jack Grealish. Grealish holds it up, jinx to come in, come inside, and my target then bombs on down past everybody. But they were afraid to do that with War Prost down there, and I think it was completely justified because you don't want to give War Prost and was it Armstrong, uh, that little yeah. leeway to kind of to kind of get at you. And as you say, Nate Redmond had that free roll as well, which didn't exactly help. But so it allowed Target to release Grealish down that wing without having to bomb on forward himself by just literally dinking it over. And I wonder, was it an in-game call? As in, I wonder, was it something that they looked at for before the game? And I don't think it was, because otherwise they would have started doing it very, very quickly in the game. Um, and I think maybe it was just something that the two guys might have decided themselves, the complete conjecture and hypothetical that I'm saying here, but it didn't look like it was something that came in from the line. I think it was just a bit of smarts to play in the game and, and just beginning to, like after the first 10, 15 minutes going, right, this guy isn't is fronting me up. This guy isn't isn't defending like a traditional right back at all. So let's have a little crack at him over the top. Yeah, I mean, Jack's a very intelligent player. Tactically, he's very intelligent as well in the way he plays the game. So you never know, he might have passed on an on-pitch message and him come up with it. Who knows? We'll, we'll never know. We'll probably never get to the bottom of it. So we'll move on to, to something else. Villa will ride, not ride in their look, because as I say, Southampton didn't really have a shot. On, I don't think they had a shot on target in that first half, but the penalty, I said to you straight away, I don't think it's a penalty because I think it's hit him somewhere else in the body first and then it's hit him on, on the arm, which is, it turns out, Mike Dean, our favourite referee, sitting in VAR, that's why he hasn't given the penalty, which we're all very relieved and, and very pleased about. But it's one of them where it's the letter of the law. But yet a few weeks ago, when it was the letter of the law against us, we were complaining about it with the with the offside. So if you're a Southampton fan, you're probably a little bit upset, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Big style. Uh, like, you can't, we can't... Well, I would find it very difficult to sit here and to give out about VAR uh, week in, week out. And then when we get a rub of the green like this, and I have to be able to put up my hand and say, listen, you know... We we got a rubber degree, and we did, and we probably yeah, got two. It's like it's a it's a handball. If that was against us, I would be sitting here fuming, absolutely fuming. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, I think Mike Dean looked at it long enough to find something. Um, he did, and he did, he did, because I I I still didn't see it. Even when you were saying that, oh, it came off his it came off his tie, it was actually like re probably the last the last. Uh, frame of or the last time that they played it back I actually saw the that it just barely clipped his tie. And uh look, we'll take it all day long, but um 
Am I happy with the application of VAR tonight? Yes, I am. Can I understand why Southampton are frustrated? Absolutely, because I would sit, be sitting here absolutely fuming if uh, if that was against us, because it's a uh, it's a very uh, you know it's 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 a very very much as you say to the letter of the law, and um, yeah, it'll be be an interesting one. I just <laughs> I don't think it's going to be like Sheffield United last last year, where people are going to say you only stayed up because of a handball. No, I, bet, I, bet, I bet it's more. <laughs> We're not allowed anything. We're not allowed anything nice with VAR. Anytime we get any kind of look, the Sheffield United picture comes up. So I'm imagining there'll be pictures of uh, of Matt, Cash, Matt Cash's hand that they'll be there side by side. I guess it is the letter of the law. Like I said, it's it's the rule, so it's the correct decision, however hard done by Southampton and probably failing. The other thing is, do you think if Lee Mason had actually given it, do you think it would have been overturned then as being the rules? I'm not sure it would have. I think it would have been given. I think it would have been given, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I think it would have been a non-field decision, um, which is which is frustrating in itself. Which is frustrating in itself because, as we say, we're we're saying that yes, by the letter of the law, we can see why it wasn't given. But, um, like, if the law is the law, it should be given if it's supposed to be given. It, I know that might might not come out right, but but it's it should. Then again, I would be sitting here as well and contradicting myself because I'd be sitting here. Think we might have lost Neil, which isn't isn't okay. idea there, Neil. Are you there? I think I'm back. <laughs> there he is. I'll tell you what, the, the one time we don't need to lose someone is when there's only two of us on screen. Absolutely <laughs> did not need to lose you then. That's my, my worst nightmare was flashing before my eyes of having having to fill a show on my own. It could have been an, an absolute car crash. We'll move on from VAR because let's face it, most shows we do tend to be focused on VAR and refereeing nowadays. So Villa got their goal, which we've already looked at. I tweeted before the game when someone was questioning Ross Barkley. I said, he's one of them players that needs games. He needs games to get it to fitness. And he needs the games also to get it to speed in, in terms of, of his form and the way he impacts games because he's only going to get better by playing the game. So he, so he has to start because he is an influential player. He's a player that can, can make an impact. I mean, he doesn't score many headers. But he did feel like he was getting more back to the Ross Barkley that we had before injury tonight, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. And look, he did begin to start to look leggy maybe on 70 minutes, 80 minutes or whatever. But he was what he did very well was he was asked to play probably not as far forward as normal. Um he kind of showed the small bit more as what I thought he would, would show when he first came into the team. As in um he was kind of I, I don't think our 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 midfield three at all played uh played the same way that they normally would play. Uh, Douglas Louise played actually a small bit further. He wasn't in front of the back four. And uh, and John McGinn, they, they, they kind of played a small bit for, further, and they always played as played as a, as, as a straight three at times. But uh, Ross Barkley, yeah, as I say, he's he he looked a small bit better. He was much more much better on the ball tonight. Carried the ball a small bit better and uh, got to just just desserts, I suppose, with his goal as well. Albeit he probably didn't get on the ball as much as he normally does. But um, as you say, when you're out for seven, eight, nine matches, you know, you're going to come back and going to be a bit rusty. But uh, everything is, is baby steps. And, uh, you know, delighted for him to, to get the score sheet in 20 minutes under his belt. It almost felt like the entire midfield, with the exception of Grealish. I really felt like any of them got got on the ball that, that much, really, through, through the game. I, I didn't feel like we, we strung together that many good moves. I mean, we ended the first half 
pretty well, to, to be fair. I mean, Watkins had that lovely little touch where he, he managed to get the ball in front of himself and get a shot away. And we, we did end the first half well. But, do, do you know, game, I didn't really feel like we constructed that, that many great moves. And, and McGinn and Louise, they, I mean, they had to be more defensive tonight because Southampton are, are a very good side. But it was almost like we went 1-0 up. And the midfield just kind of thought, we're going to sit in. We're going to win this game 1-0. Mm-hmm. We're not going to try anything adventurous. We've learned from what happened the other day. Let's just win 1-0. Yeah, absolutely. And I can completely understand that mindset. Mindset tonight, I think, was get structurally sound against this mad, uh, mad setup. The setup that you you just don't know what their starting positions are because itself that yes, you know where Ariel Romeo is going to start, and probably you know that Diallo is going to be starting, and the two of them are going to be centrally. But the two guys, the other the next two that are up in front of them. They go everywhere. They crisscross in front of four. Some of them start centrally. They start actually both of them usually start centrally almost nearly in an eye formation and then break left and right. And that's why it looks like they've got players that are are given free roads so often. Um, but and, and and I think the and look, I'm going to mention kind of the elephant in the room: the fact that it was seven nine, what was it ninety three minutes before we brought on a substitute. Yeah. And look, it's look, it's not ideal. I'm going to say it's not ideal, but I am going to make it make it a, uh, I suppose, a, an argument as to not happening. And I think the reason I could see them not making a substitution is because of how it takes team takes players and teams to get used to the starting positions of people within this system. It, let's just say you take off uh, McGinn, you take off you take off Barkley. And you take off Bertrand Troy and you bring on Trezeguet and you bring on Ramsey and you bring on Sanson. And the next thing, they start plowing through us in midfield. I think the structure yeah. was more important to Dean Smith tonight. Uh, and obviously, look, guys, they've got they've got GPS systems on uh, these stats, whatever the, the the sports science tracking uh, devices that they have as well. They've got all these. And, Somebody like Neil Cutler is getting all that information from somewhere. They've got somebody on the line that has this in-game information to know what you know distances and uh, and whatever the, the levels are. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not making that much of an excuse. I think the I think the actual excuse for Dean Smith was that he didn't want to bring on people, disrupt our structure, and uh, yeah. end up with them getting a purple patch in the game like Burnley. Did. That was the meta behind his madness to let them get the ball wide, cross it in, and pack our box so that we don't give away goals. And look, we very, but it paid off for him. We've got three points. We could very easily have no points, but we have three points. And I suppose you have to kind of you have to praise his his uh, his stubbornness in that instance. The fact that we've got the results. Would I like to see it in every game? No, absolutely. Not. But today, I think we have to. You know, I I would be giving him the thumbs up and saying, yeah, look, listen, it worked tonight. You got away with it. Everything did. Everything went well, and I can understand maybe that's why you did it. But uh, look, we've got a small squad as it is. You don't want to run these guys into the ground. I mean, we've said many times throughout this this show already, Southampton are, are a unique proposition. Not every team plays in the mode and the method that Southampton play. As I say, me and you were talking on WhatsApp, I said the only reason that I can see he isn't going to make a sub is because he doesn't want to disrupt that defensive stability. And to be fair, we were pretty stable defensively or not. We repelled them when we needed to. OK, Martinez has, has had to make a couple of really good saves, but you expect that against a side like Southampton away from home. But... Just look at the example of the, the save from the corner. It's, it's a good save from Martinez. And then the bodies on the line, the two mm. blocks. You know, those players are, are in that game. They're, they're in that moment. If you bring someone in cold in a game like that, 
they might not be capable of making that block. And I know that sounds a little bit stupid, but do you know what I mean? That the heads in the game, they've been involved in the game in the game throughout. I actually thought I thought through a stoppage time he might make a few more subs just to slow it down because he had the option of three. I mean, I've no idea where six minutes of stoppage time comes from when only one team's making subs, but but here we are. That's a, that's a story for another day. But do you know what I mean? You bring someone on from who hasn't been involved in set pieces, for example, you might have ended up conceding from that set piece. So I actually think it, it was pretty savvy. And I don't think he would do it every week. I think it just comes down to the, the unique nature of Southampton. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree with you more. Um, it would be actually, actually, I'm really interested now that you mentioned it from that corner. It was very interesting to see the defensive setup because it didn't look like there were that many people free. And... It certainly didn't look like this. Uh, it looked like Villa were spread out a squad a bit more from, from that corner, but uh, you've kind of sparked my interest in, in looking back at the corner setups because we know that we have had, uh, obviously, one or two issues this year with zonal marking. Obviously, the Burnley game was one when Ben Mee was, uh, was, found the back post, but we didn't see too many instances like that. People didn't get exactly free, and we always had someone in around there to make, make, uh, make a nuisance of himself. Um, but Emmy Martinez came up trumps again tonight. The save he made from Che Adams, the save he yeah, made from Danny Ings. The, brilliant. There was one time when Mings passed the ball back to him that he kind of strolled out at his leisure and Danny Ings nearly nearly uh, closed him down and the commentators made made a, a bit of a deal out of it. But uh what every time we're on here, but what a signing. He's just uh, he's just he's just excellent. You know, there's no other yeah. way to no other way to call it, he's just fantastic. It's a fairly big shout. I've got two big shouts to, to merge into one a little bit here from that I was thinking during the game. I think Emmy Martinez is our best goalkeeper since Mark Bosnich. People will say, oh, Friedel, but I honestly think Martinez is our best keeper since Mark Bosnich. It's been a long time since we've had a complete goalkeeper like, like that. I mean, to be fair to Bosnich, his kicking wasn't the greatest. It got better as his time went on, but he didn't need to be as good in those days. Martinez is just a complete packaging goal. And I'm going to give Matt Target some credit as well, going back to his old club. I mean, he's had a lot of praise on this show over the last few weeks, but I actually think he's our, our most consistent and best all-round left-back since Alan Wright, someone of the same era. As Mark Bosnich, I think Boomer was very good defensively. We had him. I loved him. He was a brilliant left back, but he wasn't the best going forwards. I think now the way Target sorted him out defensively, I think he's our most complete left back since Alan Wright. Do you agree with those two statements? Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm just glad you didn't say he's. Uh, you didn't uh, say he was better than Steve Staunton, obviously, because uh, Alan Wright was after Steve <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, but yeah, he is. Uh, Matt Target is like it, it's important, and we hear the, we hear pundits talk about it week in week out. Uh, well, especially last year when Liverpool were sauntering and cantering to the title, the fact that having um, versatile fullbacks that can do both jobs, that can attack, that can that can defend, and they can get up and down the line. It's the new age um, of of football, I suppose, really coming out of Germany, coming out of teams of like Dortmunds of, of years past and, and, and Bayern Munich. And while I'm not saying that Matt Target is going to be uh, playing in Dortmund or playing for Munich at, at any time soon, I want him to stay with Aston Villa because, uh, as I said before, he has tele telepathy and a good chemistry with Jack Grealish. You know, so making our best player happy then he's definitely worth the spot in our team. And not only is he making him happy, but he's also excelling on that. They're behind him too. And they are a very, very dangerous tandem down that left wing. 
Yeah, I mean, we're a very, very good side now. I, think, I don't think anyone can get away from that. I think we're, we're an excellent side, and I think neutrals are enjoying watching us. That left-hand side is a particular joy with Target, Grealish, obviously McGinn's on the left side of the central midfield. He gets involved at times down that side, and Watkins prefers to drift down the left. The right-hand side is very good too, but it's not quite to, to the level of, of the left-hand side. But all round, we're, you know, we're becoming a really good team, and that left-hand side is pivotal in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the right hand side, as you mentioned there, um we, not a lot went down there tonight. I think there was there were tasks of being very resolute down there to stop was quiet. He was, yeah, yeah, he was. I, I'd actually like to see how many touches he got he actually got through the night because I can't think of an awful lot. He did a lot of running around. I thought he was maybe a small bit better defensively. A yeah, couple he of times worked harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a couple of times he probably let people get past him for the overlap, all right. But look, with a, with a kind of a mercurial type of, um, uh, a kind of he's an unconventional player. You know, you're going to get stuff like that from him. But uh, thought he did okay. Thought he did okay. Matty Cash is always going to look like he's under pressure because he's a mile a minute, and that's not Matty Cash problem. That's not me giving out about Matty Cash. Matty no. Cash just does everything in a million miles an hour. And he is fantastic. And I think that's why he always looks like he's under pressure because he's always going at something like a 500%. And long may it continue, I would never coach that out of a player whatsoever. Um, uh, as, uh, well, I definitely wouldn't. And uh, I thought it was interesting, Matty Cash, he blocked it out for a corner. He turned around and the camera just happened to meet him right in the face. And he was giving bags of it to Emmy Martinez. And I'd love to know what it was, but he was losing his his rag with Emmy Martinez. So nice to see that passion that he's not a that that he look he's that kind of a guy. I think that he's uh, he's he's aggressive in the tackle. He's aggressive on the field. He's just aggressive with his effort, and I absolutely love it. Like I love to see it. To be fair, I, I remember Concer and Martinez having a bit of an exchange in, in the second half as well. So I had to, had to cut out a cross, man. I don't know whether he thought Martinez should, should have called for it, whether Martinez did call for it and Concer felt he couldn't leave it, so he got rid of it. But it's, it's good to see the passion and the, the enthusiasm for defending because, let's face it, some of the defending we saw last season was was absolutely horrific. It was it was a horror show at times, but they, they've got that real desire now to keep clean sheets, and, and you could see it tonight, but we, we nearly lost that clean sheet. Danny Ings had the ball in the net, as I say, I screamed my house down. Apologies to all, all the neighbours because they would have 100% heard me because I was absolutely fuming. But Danny Ings' sleeve was offside. I mean, we've had some tight ones this season with Watkins. So, again, it feels justified and by the letter of the law and the way they do it nowadays, it is offside. Southampton will be upset. I mean, the whole the whole sleeve thing, the whole offside thing, it needs completely reworking and binning off because it's an absolute disgrace. But we've come the right side of it. But we were so close to being... Typical Villa that through the years of giving away late goals, we were so close to chucking it, weren't we? Yeah, and, and the way it happened as well, it would have been so stereotypically Aston Villa. It was like the, the position of the defender, his uh, his posterior happened to be playing playing uh, Danny Ings potentially onside, but uh, yeah. it's a ridiculous. Once again, look, it's a ridiculous rule. I'm going to call it the rule is ridiculous. Um, once again, that happens. That's happened to us for Ali Ali Watkins. I'm suitably annoyed at something like that. Um, I think Southampton fans should should go away from this game and should think that they've been done by VAR. Uh, uh, you know, and that's not me trying to curry. Them. There were two very marginal decisions, and uh, you know, as I say, I'm just smiling because we're now on 30, 32 points. I think it is, and. Uh, 
what does that make us? Four points off last year's total already with only I think we have can, I think we can get the tie. I think we can get the table. There he is. I tell you what, this guy can come every week. Table straight away. Look at it. Up on the screen. I mean, for a start, ten wins from nineteen is phenomenal. Yeah. I know that sounds dramatic, but it, that is phenomenal. The defensive record's phenomenal. I mean, I I don't think we were far over thirty-four goals the entirety of last season, if if I remember correctly. It felt like we were we were struggling for goals, didn't it? I mean, it's just it's just a great side with, with games to play for us still as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely fantastic. We didn't win game t- ten games last year. I think we only won nine games. Yeah. Uh, we're in eighth position. You know, it's, it's looking at the table. I'm so, I'm immensely proud of everything Dean Smith has done here. Like he's such he's such a good guy. He's the right guy for this club at the right time. The whole setup is the right setup for this club, and and they're being vindicated now by this position and how comfortable we are. Uh, you know, in the Premier League at the moment. Uh, I will say though that the devil on the other shoulders. That's the angel on this shoulder talking to this year. The devil on the other shoulder is saying. Why didn't we just beat Burnley and we'd be up in fifth position and we'd be, you know, we'd be in a good, good spot. But look, you know, we're going to get games like that. We're not the finished article yet. And um, we're certainly not the finished article uh, yet. But I'll take eighth position. You know, I would have been happy with a comfortable 14, 15 position finish at the start of the season. Now I'm getting greedy and I want to be even greedier come the end of the year because we have a right good team, as you said. We are a very good team. We are, we are, Becoming people's second favourite team, I think. That might be fair. Well, maybe we're not judging by the amount of people who send the, the Sheffield United uh, picture to us on, on Twitter. But uh, uh, I think that we're getting plaudits from the right people, should I say. And long may it continue because there's been a lot of work put into this team since probably around coming close to this time last year, uh, just before Project uh, project Restart um, kicked in. And, you know, as I say, uh, they deserve all the credit, absolutely all the credit in the world. Yeah, I mean, I've pulled two things from that league table. The first one is that after the last few years, Wolves fans, I am minding that gap. I really am minding that gap from from what I can say there in that league table. The second one is we've only scored three less goals than Man City who were top, and we played a game less. I mean, stagger, that's staggering numbers for us to be up there with Man City, really, isn't it, in terms of goal scored? And, and in terms of cost of squad, in terms mm. of how our managers are, are viewed in the worldwide stage, in terms of you know, the fact that they have the stability, they have the continuity with their setup and their players. We've really changed our whole squad almost, bar Jack Grealish, in, in the space of two years. Uh, and these players are only getting that chemistry that I spoke about that Matty Target has with, with Jack Grealish. This chemistry is only growing with this team. And, you know, it's it's really exciting. It really, really is exciting, the fact that we are... We're holding our own. Like the seven losses we look at there, I would say five, six of those, five of those seven losses, six of those seven losses probably were uh, ones that I could feel aggrieved with or I think that maybe we could have got something out of the game. Only yeah, the Leeds sure. game is the only one that stands out as being an absolute blowout. We're, we're here to play this year and we're here to to, to take names and to, and to try and remember people who slighted us last year. And look, it, it's going well so far and long may it continue. Yeah, I mean, you were on the show on Wednesday where we discussed what one of the reasons that, that we think we lost on Wednesday against Burnley was the the third shirt. We just can't, we just can't get it right in that third shirt. But I tell you what, we've had some good days in this in this black shirt this season, haven't we? You see my freshly printed shirts arrive back from TK Print with the poppy poppy on the front. I tell you what, we seem to pick up some good results in the black shirt, don't we? I can't remember 
what are the results we picked up? But long may continue as they say. In a few, you've put me the, on the spot now, and I can't remember either. Even though I listed them in my head before we came on, they've gone. <laughs> there's been some. There's been some. Trust us. Trust us in this one. <laughs> trust us. Yeah, exactly. Trust us in this one. But um, yeah, look, look good, play good, feel good. You know that 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 Arsenal. that old. Arsenal. Yes. Um, but that's it. Look, look, we've got we've got smashed. So you know why why can't that be another reason why these why the players are playing well? You know they they they're proud of their their attire and they they go not to say that last year's shirt was an abomination. I'm actually wearing it. No, it was fantastic. Yeah. Hey, no, it's not hey, this year, is yeah, they're more or less the same to be honest. <laughs> you know, minimal changes, but it's great. I like as I say, claret body, blue sleeves, can't go wrong. Um, keep the. I I I create war here if I don't say that the crest has to be in the right place as well. Uh, <laughs> that's the only thing. But uh, no, look, as I say, I'm I'm as superstitious as the next guy, and um, you know whatever works works. As I say, whatever works works. If they want to wear the black black uh, shirt for the rest of the away games, well then do it if it works the situation. Yeah, I mean another another big game on Wednesday. We're back to Villa Park. I mean the games are coming thick and fast Wednesday. BT Sport. I think we we're on playing at Villa Park against West Ham, who I feel like we owe one. To be fair, after the after the result at the Olympic Stadium earlier on in the season, I, re- I really feel like we owe them a resign. So it's a big game, really, because West Ham. I mean, I know they've got Liverpool tomorrow. They're flying. So that's a that's a really big game on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. Fair play to the, fair play to David Moyes. I with David at the back end of last season when West Ham started to play well. I remember I was texting one of my mates and I said to him, David Moyes is in his element. He has his Marouane Fellaini back in the form of yeah. Thomas Suchek. And he really, really does. He loves Suchek. And not just because he got two goals last day, but he's a good player. He's, he's, he's a functional player. And he just ends up in that Tim Cahill position at the, at the back post and it just creates mayhem and ha- havoc. We're going to need to be on our toes for West Ham. They do have a lot of creativity and and... You know, people, yes, Mikel Antonio is, is up front and he's played right back, he's played right wing and he's now moved up front. Usually, when you know, you, you don't see that. But uh, I think sometimes people overlook him. He's a very strong guy. He's very mobile. He gets goals. Yes, he's maybe not getting as many goals this year because he's been injured a bit. But they're a good team. They're a good team. And they're, they're a nice settled team as well. And, and look, David Moyes, as I say, has a tactic too. And he seems to have the players that are, are able to implement that. So... I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, we had we've had some good ding dongs with them, you know. It's I'm not going to say it's becoming a rivalry, but uh, nah. you know, it's uh, I, whenever I think of West Ham like that, the, the game at the last the last day of the season last year will always stick up my mind for a long period of time. Um, it was just such a really really good game, and um, you know they will be kind of linked with this current Aston Villa team for a while because of that game. I think. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, there will be a post-match point after the game. We might have a video coming up before that as well, but there'll definitely be a post-match point on Wednesday, 10.15. You'll see it at the, at the top of your your screen there. I mean, to be fair, I think I think the two managers of the season so far going head-to-head on, on Wednesday, Villa v West Ham, I think both managers are doing great jobs and I don't think many people would have envisaged Villa and West Ham riding high in the Premier League this season. So, so credit to them both. Just before we go... Just to let you know about the Villa View shop. Obviously, we've got some new items on there. I've got one of them here, a little Jack Grealish poster. So if you delve onto our website, you'll be able to get yourself posters, 
we've got mugs as well there's the ian tyler mug so yeah go on there and get yourself some goodies you'll see the address at the top of the screen another plug for purity as well who sponsor all these post-match shows great company great beer i'm, I'm really enjoying all the products that they're sending me in fairness absolutely lovely you probably see me on social media plugging them all before before every game but the beer really is sensational especially the villa ale it's so so nice so go on their store use the code hashtag villa view and you'll get 10 percent off all their beers and ales cups glasses as well some great stuff on there so go and check them out thanks ever so much to neil for joining me tonight it's been great to chat to you you said very tactically astute i've heard of you're a manager you'd be labeled as tactically astute not sure about the, the dress sense with, with the cap and all that but i think you're a you're a tactically astute manager you'd, you'd certainly get that that label for sure we'll get you back on wednesday as well neil because i love having you on so much don't forget to check out neil's podcast as well the for the love of paul mcgrath podcast you got anything coming up you do recording tonight tomorrow yeah we'll do something about the uh, about that game tonight and uh, god it feels like i've literally been doing nothing but recording podcasts for the last week i think we put out eight podcasts over the last over the last seven days, but uh, look, as uh, I always jokingly give out about it because it, it it's I, I enjoy it. It's it's a nice release from um just from the the one the one Dennis and looking at the four four walls that, that we yeah. got going on here in the COVID situation. You know, when you pop into a Zoom room, like I feel like I'm in Dan's house. That's exactly what I feel like at the moment. It feels like I've left my house. So uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. But thanks, William, for asking me to come on again. And as I said, it's always a pleasure to chat to to chat to you. And 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 uh, you know, thanks so much for for always thinking of me. Love having you on, mate. I mean, hopefully before the next podcast, the next show, my beard might have grown back a bit because I've hated looking at myself on, on this screen. Absolutely need to get the beard back in my life as soon as possible because I look about 10 years old. It's not a good look at all. But thanks for everyone who's watched as well. Hopefully it's, it's been great. No teething problems. Thanks to John again for producing tonight on a Saturday evening. It's been great. And happy birthday again to our normal producer, Adam Join us for our next video and we'll have the post-match point on Wednesday as well. Thanks for all your support. Keep supporting the channel. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.